Greetings, Voyagers, and welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 276. And as I record this intro, I have to keep it down a bit because the house we're staying at, people are still sleeping. I'm the first one up. And we are in Sarajevo in Bosnia. And our house is up on a hill and I can see the whole city. It's kind of like built into the bowl of a valley with the hills rising up around it. And the houses mark all the way up the hill. It looks, it looks so cool. I'm a little bit behind on getting these out because this episode was recorded in Dubrovnik. But <laughs> as is the story of all my travels, I got food poisoning really bad. Like this was one of the worst. I don't know why this always happens, but it does. And I was knocked out for, for two full days and I'm, I'm just coming back out of it now. I couldn't, I couldn't even like open my eyes. It was really, it was bad. I think I got it in Mostar or I know I got it in Mostar, but I think I got it for something I ate in Mostar. I don't know. Either way, I'm okay now. Excited to explore Sarajevo, but also excited to get this last one from Dubrovnik out to you. So when we were in Dubrovnik, I looked up, looked up a place called the Red History Museum. It's run by two brothers, and the brother that I met is Kresho Glavinik. And he showed us around the museum, and then afterwards we got to hang out. He let me try what is the Croatian version of Jägermeister, which was just like a blinding jet fuel. Uh, Mark, who's been on this uh, podcast a couple of times, calls it white lightning. It was whew, gnarly. Uh, but then we went out to dinner together and we talked and we talked life and philosophy and we talked about Croatia and the States. It was really great. He's a super, super knowledgeable guy. Now, the Red History Museum chronicles the period of time uh, when, which was for most of the time that Yugoslavia was Yugoslavia, uh, when it was a socialist federation. I titled this episode Communism in Croatia. These terms are kind of used interchangeably by the museum itself, communism and socialism. Uh, I heard somebody refer to the period as more socialist. To me, it sounds like a dictatorship with socialist policies and practices. So really what the goal was, was to form a classless society in the federation of countries that made up Yugoslavia. Um, there were some positive elements and there were many negative elements. I can't take you through the entire history of it. I am not an expert on the topic, but that's why we have Kresho on this episode. So we're going to jump right into the conversation. Like we were already talking and I'm like, oh man, I'm missing all this good stuff. Let me hit record. So when you join us, we're already chatting and we talk about the museum and we talk about the history, but we also talk about Croatia itself and just some stuff about life. So hope you enjoyed this one. Kresho is a really cool guy. Uh, I hope he gets to the state someday so that we can return the hospitality because he took us around. He, he knew everybody. Like we're, we're walking around old city Dubrovnik and so many people who passed us are like, hey, Kresho. He's also the location scout, I guess, or... He helps with production or helped with production for Game of Thrones, which was filmed partly at least in Dubrovnik and also some movies that, uh, what is, I forget the name of it, but that most recent Nicolas Cage movie where he's like playing himself. Um, I think Vikings has filming coming up there. So 
he helps out with the production for those, which is so, I mean, he already knew a lot of people, but that helps him to meet more people. So great guy to know. If you're ever going to Dubrovnik, uh, either hit him up through the museum's email or let me know and I'll try to put you in contact because he's a great uh, on location friend to have. So go to the notes for this episode and you will find a link to the museum and to their Instagram account. You'll also find a link to my Instagram account and to Patreon, which is a subscription-based service where you can give monthly and get, whoa, whoa. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the bird almost landed on my head. Um, oh, Jesus, this thing's dive-bombing me. All right, whatever. I'm signing out. Enjoy this episode with a crush show. I mean, you, you can you can continue on that thought if, uh-huh. if you're comfortable with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, basically, there is this Serbian Serbian uh, poet Mika Antic, and he wrote in one of his poems. Uh, there is a line: "If there were no nations, there would be no wars." Mm. So, I think that's close to truth, uh, and. Uh, the other, for example, a line that I like, it's uh, one of the biggest sportsmen of Yugoslavia and Croatia. He was a Croatian Mate Parlov. He was a boxing champion, Olympic boxing champion in uh, 1970s, I, I think, something like that. But he was basically, he's like our uh, biggest, uh, the most important sportsman of 20th century. And um, he lived in Yugoslavia and later a little bit in Croatia. And they asked him, like, if he's a nationalist. And he said, I can't be a nationalist, I'm a world champion. Mm. And that's, you know, like also a nice nice thought. So, yeah, I I can understand why she feels... uh, like a Yugoslavian or 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 one of the the most famous singers of Yugoslavian new wave uh, rock music from the 80s that started in Yugoslavia and uh, the singer uh, Branimir Stulic which now lives in the uh, Netherlands uh, and his uh, band Azra which they have a cult status in, in, in all the former countries of, of Yugoslavia. He, w- he would also say always that he was that he's a Yugoslavian, that he's not, you know, he basically he never wanted, a, he never took Croatian, although he's Croatian, he never took Croatian passport. Mm. He just went out from the country. So uh, that's hard with, you know, like... But she had, she had a similar trajectory. She left Yugoslavia before the fall of Yugoslavia, and then traveled around Europe to perform. So she probably, you know, never like fully took on what is now a Serbian. Yeah, yeah, it's culture. it's yeah. For me, you know, I I believe that most of the people in Croatia wouldn't agree with me on, on this on this thought, but. Um, through history uh, for the Balkan, for this area, they always say it's a place with too much history. There was so many, so many wars, so many things happening uh, in these last thousand years. And, you know, we have uh, 
in Croatia. Croatia was part of Austrian-Hungarian Empire, coastal part was part of Italy, uh, parts of Serbia were parts of Croatia in Austrian-Hungarian Empire, uh, parts of Serbia and Bosnia were under, under Ottomans, and you know, like all of these uh, countries changed religions, changed, you know, all, all uh, their rulers, things like that, so it's very hard, I think, to say what's Like, okay, so now I'm basically we define ourselves you're, uh, by religion. If you're Catholic, mm. you're Croatian. If you're uh, uh, Orthodox, you're Serbian. If you're Muslim, you're Bosnian, which is, you know, for me, uh, it's not important because, especially if you, if you look historically, you know, like in these parts, like 30 kilometers from here, there's there's a lot of orthodox people and uh, parts of today's Croatia were orthodox religion, Muslim parts were Catholic and everything is mixed and people in Dubrovnik, you have a lot of people came from Bosnia and from Serbia to work here in the uh, 19th, end of 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. So it's very mixed society and just the notion of nation is uh, for me strange and maybe stupid is a hard word but I can't remember now the better one it does feel like globally though nationalism is on the rise again uh, which often leads to like xenophobia or racism or like the othering of people I don't know if that's also felt here but it's it's definitely felt in the states I think well yeah yeah it is uh, our maybe luck is that basically although we are independent country we are not independent uh, mm. our politics are mostly run from European uh, Union so um, which is maybe not 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 a bad thing because uh, <laughs> maybe it would be worse even mm. if if we had our own uh, say about things uh, and yeah there, there is a, a lot of lot of uh, rising of nationalism uh, but I think it's it's like uh, mostly economic question it's like uh, in Germany in the 1920s mm. and late 20s early 30s where Hitler came on power it was if I'm right also the The economy was not going well, and uh, that's a usual thing, I think, that's happening. People are... And then, of course, it's always easier to blame other right. people than, you know, for your choices. So, in Croatia, so far, it's it's in that sense, it's okay, because they don't... the, the political... Uh, Uh, the the politicians on power don't uh, don't let any huge nationalism huge rise of nationalism although because we have a right wing party on power they you know uh, they I don't know what's what would be on English like on creation it would be like they dance on the edge uh, with them, you know, in a sense of... Walking a thin line. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. They, they let them do some stuff, especially, if, you know, now we have these... Uh, 
from the Second World War, uh, so Croatia was a Nazi satellite. Uh, it was called the Independent Republic of Croatia. Uh, and uh, the political and uh, military power that ran the state were called Ustashas. Uh, so now, for example, we have stronger and stronger movement that's like saying that uh, not that they were good, but like they were all bad mm. the, in the same way. Mm. And it's for me, it's it's um, hypocrite in a sense because it's you know it's like that's because they want to to you know like make equal the anti-fascist and partisan movement and uh, the Ustasha movement uh, and saying that they are both bad and it's hypocrite because. Um, <laughs> um, how to say it, uh, at that, uh, you need to put it in the context of time. And, you know, like, of course, that anti-fascists did terrible things to, to Ustasha and to, even to innocent people they didn't like and, you know, like, stuff like that. But it was that time. It doesn't, it doesn't make it right. But I don't think that we can put the same... Uh, equation, the same the same sign on both sides. It's like saying that the Germans were the same, the Nazis were the same as, for example, the British because British bombed the Dresden or USA for throwing an atomic bomb on Japan. You know, right? What we say sometimes is like apples and oranges, right? It's not not the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So that's like, that, that's that's the situations that today's, uh, to today, uh, local, um, local, not local, national uh, government is like, like giving to nationalists mm. these little wins, I, I would say. So how did socialism come to Yugoslavia and to Croatia initially? Yeah, so um, that's, one of the things that we wanted to show in the museum because yeah. today for most of the people um, they think that you know like communist communism came in the second world war and uh, after but actually the the communist party was um, established in 1919 in belgrade and um, of course under russian influence because russia was then the center of the communist influence in the in the world, uh, and it was it was uh, it was established same as anywhere else, and the the the, the goals were same. It was you know like uh, they were they were targeting uh, workers, uh, unions, and they were talking talking to these these parts of, of the society that was growing bigger and uh, the the rights their rights were not were not very good at the time so in uh, 1919 uh, they started and the interesting uh, fact that basically they had immediate success because in 1920 
just so just year after they were established as a legal political party uh, there were elections through the country for local governments mayors and positions like that and um, basically the communist party were uh, they had a great result they became the third strongest party in Yugoslavia mm. and which really I, I don't know if you know like anybody that didn't studied this part of our history knows is for example that the capital of Zagreb had a communist mayor in 1920 mm. he was mayor for three days they, uh, the the king uh, called them enemies of the yeah. of the state and uh, yeah. yeah 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 and uh, <laughs> a lot of them were executed went to prison uh, the rest went to illegality which later helped them in the second world war because basically they had 20 years of um, work from you know uh, illegal side mm. uh, which was you know big big uh, experience because you had a Nazi satellite state and of course you were against it so this was actually a good thing that they had 20 years of this of this uh, knowledge and that I think helped them later to because that's also the thing uh, which is which is I think important to say that in the Second World War, uh, the partisan and anti-fascist movement was not equal to the communist movement. So mm. the anti-fascists and partisans were actually people of all religions and all political views, but this, the the thought that was uh, getting them together was the thought that they didn't like the state that they were living, they didn't like the Nazis, the Ustashas, and they wanted to do something about it. So it's basically all the people who fought against them were anti-fascists and partisans, and because of the communist knowledge and experience from these past 20 years, and of course their will to, uh, they wanted to be on power, and they wanted to, that's, that's, normal for every political party you want to get to power and uh, you know change things or put your ideas mm. uh, in reality so that's how actually how the communist idea and uh, the the communist party started and managed to come to the position where they could you know negotiate and become the leading uh, leading force of the country Initially, when Yugoslavia was like officially a socialist, um, I guess republic or yeah, 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 it was a federation of republics. A fe yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, when the Axis powers lose, were most people in support of a socialist state? Yeah, that's that's hard to say mm. from uh, today's point of view. Um, so the first elections were in 1945. That was something that the Western uh, governments asked Tito to do because um, they didn't like uh, Western governments, I mean Britain and United States. 
they didn't like, of course, the communist uh, movement, but the, in reality, the communist movement in Yugoslavia was very strong, and that was later the the strength of Tito that basically he was the only the partisans of Yugoslavia were the only military that didn't uh, have any help from Red Army in in a in a sense of soldiers. Mm. They had help from you know guns, food, uh, supplies. Su- supplies, yeah. yeah. But Red Army never came in Yugoslavia like in other countries, and that later helped Tito to make its own way of mm. of, of socialism. So. Um, before before the Second World War, uh, Yugoslavia was a kingdom. A kingdom lived in Belgrade. It was a Serbian dynasty. And uh, in the Second World War, they flew. They fled. Flew. Mm-hmm. Fled to uh, UK. So yeah, basically, <laughs> so basically, they had. Uh, you know, they also tried to get back on power on power after the Second World War, but. Uh, Churchill couldn't, you know, like the Tito was already strong because he was fighting for four or five years Germans and uh, Nazi creation and Serbian Nazis in Yugoslavia and, you know, he had men on the field and uh, everything so uh, basically he made him uh, he forced him to have uh, to have uh, elections, democratic Elections uh, in 1945, but the 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 choice you had was one box was National Front, which was led by the Communist Party. The other front was the other box was box with no name. Mm. So <laughs> the choice was not you know uh, great. So they, of course most of the people voted for for uh, National Front. But when you when you see how many people uh, were in partisans, uh, I would say that most of them then uh, were supporting the 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 communist movement. So uh, yeah, I, w- I, w- I, w- I would I would say that it's very hard to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, of but course. Yeah, that that would be my opinion when you say how how big the partisan movement was. Uh, I think that that they had the support. I, I mentioned before we were recording that we both teach. Um, probably more of my knowledge and my interest in a lot of places I've traveled is Southeast Asia. And recently I was teaching um, the Cold War Southeast Asia and the idea of the United States trying to contain communism. And when I would teach kids, I would say, like, even if you're vehement about, you know, uh, capitalism and democracy being, like, the best route or or the best option in the world, you can at least see how in Vietnam people would turn to communism because they had been colonized by the French. Um, They they were uh, occupied by Japan. Then there's a war with the U.S., there is, it was really more of a an anti-imperialism or an anti-colonize an anti-colonization movement. Um, but even in Cambodia, where there was a genocide, and I want to be careful in saying like the genocide was one of the worst things to ever happen in history. But you can see initially how people would be pushed towards communism because 
they were having like the, the absolute hell bombed out of them um, by um, Kissinger. Now, now I'm, I'm, yeah, Kissinger in, in, in the U.S., not Kissinger. Um, uh, who is the CIA guy? Kissinger was <laughs> FBI. Um, it'll come to me. But yeah, I guess what I'm thinking is like it, it, it's very, a lot of these ideas make a whole lot of sense. I'm walking through the gallery downstairs and, and, and healthcare and vacations for workers. These are still things that people are searching for now. Um, and it's just, I'm curious about, maybe specifically to here, because that's uh, your knowledge base, but like, how do those good ideas often go bad um, and turn into things like dictatorship and censorship? And, and Because the idea of a dictatorship to me seems the complete opposite of what the idea of communism is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right, and it's it's. Um, I think it's it it's. Um, you know, you need two sides, two two sides to tango. That's mm. that's the thing. Uh, so, you need both sides, politicians and the people. I think to get to get it uh, in that state of dictatorship and some bad states. So, for example, uh, from the politician side. Uh, you know when they when they took when they took power, uh, it's very hard to it's very hard. You know uh, when the party is getting bigger and bigger, it's uh, it's a certain thing that inside of it there will come people that they don't share the ideology that they only want to uh, want to you know exploit. Mm. The, and you had, for example, our biggest writer, Ivo Andrić, which won a Nobel Prize. So he yeah. was actually um, ambassador in Hitler's Germany in the 30s for the Kingdom of Yugoslavia. Oh. And later he changed sides, which, okay, so, you know, you can change your mind. It's, it's of course, of, especially if it's, you know, on better. Uh, but although he changed sides, he was... He was never, um, uh, let's say, true believer in any of mm. it. Basically, he would just go with the flow, which was most easier for him to work and to do what he loved, and that's writing. So uh, you had, you know, people like that. You had people. Um, then you know, like the concepts of uh, human rights and things like that at that time were still not. Uh, Strong as as today, you know. Yeah. I, you you can't. I think that we can't. You know, like talk about those times and compare them to today. It's just mm. back then people did terrible stuff, and you have this guy in in, in our museum in in the black room, uh, Jovo Kapicic, who established the. Bear Island labor camp, and he said, "Like so, today everybody is complaining about this labor camp and like what we did there, but we did much worse things in the Second World War, and nobody talks about it. Mm. Like, so what's the problem? Um, so you, you know, uh, I think because they did all these, it was just the time like that. All, uh, they did all these bad stuff in the war, and uh, probably it." Just became normal to them to do to continue 
doing it, you know, killing mm. political enemies uh, and uh, stuff like that. And then, then again, if you have, uh, if you have, you know, like hundreds of years before of exploiting people, then it's uh, I, I I don't say it's right, but I can understand. Uh, why they wanted like to basically not improve the people they thought that that were not good, but just to erase them because mm. they saw saw them as the threat. And by erasing them, by killing them, of course, these killed people have their families, and it's just entering the circle of violence and untrust and. No things like that, and I think that's the way to dictatorship because then mm. there then there is less and less people that you can trust, and uh, you know the only thing is uh, to be more and more brutal. Mm. Uh, although although Yugoslavia is, was actually the 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 most brutal at the beginning, later it was more and more uh, uh, liberal. Uh, but that's that's I think one one of the reasons I would say. Uh, the other thing is uh, local people, <coughs> and uh, you know it's um, so. For example, like when you go to hotel, you mm-hmm. know, and you have that uh, buffet. Uh, buffet, yeah, uh, yeah, buffet. Uh, so you have all these food around you, and then because you don't go to hotels every day, and you don't know when you're gonna go again, so you know like take much more <laughs> than you need yeah. and uh, there's the same thing I think that happened uh, mm. like in Yugoslavia so uh, there were no there were well there were some healthcare before the communists but for example there were no annual leave for workers before the communists uh, the you couldn't get a divorce mm. there were only like uh, there were only church marriages, so no divorce. Divorce was not possible. So it was the same thing. You don't know how much this is going to last, so you know, like you just mm-hmm. take everything that you can. And then, of course, although you know, not, uh, in, in Yugoslavia, so you had a, a free healthcare system, but people were exploiting it. Yeah. And then, of course, it couldn't last because. If we are not all of us, if we are not responsible, then uh, you know it can't it can't work. And that's, mm. uh, for example, the there there is one interesting fact from 1970s. Uh, I think 1971, 25% of all uh, expenses in healthcare in Croatia went to like you call you call sick. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people didn't go to work because they were sick. So yeah, use, my, the, use their sick days. Yeah, yeah, sick days. It was very easy to get, uh, mm-hmm. you know, proof from, from your doctor. Yeah. You give him some wine or something. He writes it down. You don't need to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like everything suffers, the whole economy and everything. So imagine 25% of all expenses went to that. And, you know, like all the hospitals, all the wages of the doctors, all the supplies, food, electricity, everything is in debt. And in everything of that, 25% of that is actually people mm. uh, calling sick and then the government needs to pay for the for the job. So that's also one of the things why I think uh, the system 
collapsed. Mm. I don't know if I maybe went too far. No, no, that, the, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. is, is this a history that, I mean, I would imagine that, that people are sort of uncomfortable talking about today? Uh, yeah, yeah, it mm. is. It is because, as I said, we are st- still not clear what to think. Mm. And, um, you know, nobody wants to be characterized as a communist. Uh, so it's hard to say that they did some good things, which they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for most of the people, it's much easier not not to talk about it, which is wrong because you know we had 45 years of it, and uh, for example, our politicians today they came out from that educational system. That's definitely, you know, it's not just something, okay, so we now decided to uh, live in capitalism. It doesn't change like that. It's, you know, like if you had 40 years of ideology and, you know, like educational system that supported that ideology, it's hard to just cross to to some other system and think. Mm. And it, it you can see it in like small, small details. For example, like when I finished... Uh, University, and then my mother asked me, like, are you now going to find a steady job, you know, for your lifetime, one job, and that's it? Because that was the way things were done in socialism, and, you know, it, it stayed. The corruption was huge in socialism, and uh, unfortunately, it's still today uh, the same thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's... I think because we don't talk about it, it is it is something that people don't want to talk because mm. it's exploited mostly exploited in political arena with you know like getting cheap points out of this topic and uh, nobody wants to um, not nobody we have great historians and uh, researchers that the are the majority right yeah, but, you know, like it's, it doesn't get to the mainstream media. Yeah. You know, historians, you, you write a book of 900 pages, it's not something that most of the people uh, will read for various reasons. I would say today uh, one of them is that in Croatia almost anybody needs to work two jobs to, mm. to you know, like, Live, get by. Yeah, to get by. So you can't you can't expect from people to, you know, like after two jobs, when they come home, it's much easier to turn on Netflix or, you know, and watch that, I don't know, too hot to handle. I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, it's much easier than, than to to take a big book and start reading. Well, that's know? everywhere, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. in the States too. Yeah, and that's, I think it's like a, vicious circle mm-hmm. that's just getting worse and worse because of that you know it's well it, it's interesting because when we were downstairs i said to leslie i'm like i don't know if there's like an opinion here like if if the gallery and the creators of the museum have a stance um or if you were purposefully neutral because in going from like station to station yeah there was there was the good and there was the bad there's there's a section on um, like almost gender equality and rights for women and access to abortion and voting rights and things like that. But then even in that station, it's like, 
but women's wages were far behind men. Uh, yeah. So it, it's interesting. I don't. I left it not really knowing how to like categorize the period of socialism yeah, as like a really bad thing or a really good thing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That, that's the. That's what we wanted. Mm. Actually, we wanted uh, just to interest you in the topic. Mm. That's it. Because, uh, as I said, the, the truth is somewhere in between of, of all of that. And uh, I think, I think it's, it's in a way subjective. It wasn't good, it wasn't bad. Mm. It was good and it was bad. It, you know, it's, it, it depends. And uh, we didn't want to say nothing. We basically wanted just to show facts and to let every person by, for itself to decide. And the best thing that uh, we like, the, the thing we most like to hear is that, that you know, mm. like you didn't know what to think and that, <laughs> you know, uh, that it interested you to, you know, like research for yourself. That's what we wanted to do, to, you know, like make people research it for themselves. Mm. That's, we think it's the best, the best thing. And, and you know, like because if you just say it was like this or if it was like that, I, well, it's it's you know like we wanted to 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 um, not force, but you know like uh, influence, uh, influence like critical opinion yeah. of, of people, and that's it. You know, like uh, for example, uh, so I finished philosophy and archaeology, and a colleague of mine is a historian, and f I'm more to the left. He's more to some liberal, uh, in economic way, uh, liberal side. But I think that was that was that was the point. You know, like we could have an argument and uh, without you know like uh, fighting, and uh, we can listen to each other and acknowledge things that were good and that were bad. Mm. Although maybe I personally have more understanding for some bad stuff, but. That's one reason more why I need to say that they were they were bad, mm. and also him in some other things that were that were good. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's the that's the the thing about the museum. What I got out of it was sort of this question of sustainability, right? Even let's say you proclaim to be an anarchist or in some sort of philosophical debate, the question is always, well, how is that sustainable, right? To have real absence of structure and government. And then similar to walking around downstairs and reading the facts, uh, talks about, you know, all of these economic changes, uh, similar, you know, patterns in history, five-year plan, we've seen that before. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, okay, so talk five-year plan, you leads to massive famine because it wasn't executed correctly, right? So it's the sustainability aspect and similar to the facts that were downstairs, not to such an extreme as it was in, uh, you know, Mao's China, but you have huge inflation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, and it it uh, it wasn't sustainable, and it wasn't sustainable from for few. I think few reasons, uh, as I said. Uh, the people and the buffet. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And then uh, the countries of Yugoslavia before the Second World War were top three poorest countries mm -hmm. in Europe. So basically the starting point was terrible. And especially after the Second World War where 20% of the 
all the houses and roads and everything was destroyed and over one million people were left with no house or roof over their head. Uh, so it, it wasn't sustainable, but uh, I think, and the, the, the idea of the museum is not, you know, like to try to... Um, try to try to you know like have a have a point, but just to to show the bad stuff. So we don't need to repeat it, but also to show the good stuff. And also there were some good stuff in economy uh, that we could use today. You know, especially when when we talk about workers' rights and. Uh, uh, oh. Sorry, the no, word, okay. word on English. Um, it happens. Benefits. Yeah, I can't, no, I can't, I can't. Okay. I can't it's, I'm totally blocked. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so, so workers' rights, uh, for me, this idea of workers' self-management was also uh, very interesting. And you can see today in European Union that basically these ideas are again forced, we just use another terms. Mm. So now we have a social entrepreneurship, which is basically, you know, uh, I don't know the, the the word in English from Croatian is Zadruga. Uh, in Russia, in Russia, kolkhoz was a Russian word for it. It's kolkhoz was... Be uh, like apprenticeship or something? No, yeah, like, you know, they would put in Russia, it will also happen in Yugoslavia, they would uh, they would put, uh, collect, uh, uh, bring all the peasants. Oh, collectivization, right? Yeah, collectivization. So yeah. they had these companies where they all work mm. and they were like the owners. Well, the workers self-management. Like unions. Almost, unions, yeah. yeah, something like that. But, you know, like companies, mm. companies of, you know, like people's like that. So you have that in European Union now. You have big, uh, big like supports, uh, financial supports for mm. companies that have, now they called it social intern, in, yeah, social uh, intern, internship um no, no internship, but like entrepreneur. Enterprise? Yeah, social mm. enterprise, yeah. yeah. Which is basically the same. So like all the workers are the owners of the companies. Mm. That is something that's now again becoming, I wouldn't say popular, but it's something, It's it entered like the main European Union goals and it's happening uh, because of our history and are not dealing with our history, uh, we also have a new name for it. We don't call it as it was called in Yugoslavia and socialism, mm -hmm. but basically it's the same. It's the same thing. So you know, and it's necessary because capitalism is not sustainable either, at least for the masses, right? See, so there has to be. I guess this is like the trial and error of society of trying to figure out some sort of middle ground, which should. Yeah, be yeah I would. Uh, yeah, as a philosophy uh, student although I don't do philosophy uh, so I wouldn't say I'm a philosopher but uh, uh, as a philosophy student yeah uh, that's something what Hegel was uh, talking about thesis and, and antithesis and synthesis I don't know if yeah the words are mm -hmm. English the same I just like yeah. Said it. It's on creation. I just said it like what I thought it was an English version of the words. So yeah, it's like we have capitalism, we have communism, capitalism, and we need to find some 
mix of, of that one, and then again it won't be perfect because we are not perfect, but you know, like we are getting better, hopefully. So that's 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 what we wanted also to show with the museum because you know, like when we started it. So first, all of our friends said that we are crazy and that uh, they're going that somebody will kill us, and we got some death threats at the beginning. You did. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. But it was a majority, like 95% of the people were okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, they waited to see what, what, what will look like when they went, uh, they were okay. But, you know, we had a guy from Germany, Croatian, that lived in Germany, that uh, he said, like, he's going to sue, sue us uh, on Strasbourg court for... In Strasbourg, there is for like court for um, international ma- international <laughs> court for you know like mankind something I don't know, uh, and that he's gonna write to Bundestag, German Parliament yeah. that they forbid us to make a museum. Uh, we had local people you know like spitting on the entrance and stuff like that. Uh, but then when we open, and that's also one of the things that we wanted to do when you. Uh, when you that's well that's maybe a good thing about capitalism um, when you put something to market and you commercialized it then it basically is less and less taboo mm. and you know now uh, f- the funny the funny thing for me about uh, Yugoslavia and our history is that the word Yugoslavia in Croatia today is like uh, uh, Nostra uh, the the guy that you can't say his name in Harry Potter. Oh, Voldemort. Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, like, so people don't say it. Yeah, people. You know, like they say, like when you when you when you are like watching the news, national news or local news, it's always like uh, X country or like the region. So uh, you know, they never say Yugoslavia in in and so so that's also one of the things when when we open the museum. Uh, and that's also why we didn't call it the well. One, it wasn't. It, it is not the museum of Yugoslavia. It's just museum of Croatia in in, in Yugoslavia. But we also didn't uh, use it. We were not brave enough mm. for that. I have to say. But now it's getting. For example, you have in Zagreb, uh, capital. We there is a building where. The, our parliament declared uh, may, uh, bring a declaration of like uh, exiting the Yugoslavia. Okay. And there is like a, you know becoming independent. No, uh, there there is a sign yeah. saying that. And in that sign, it's not written Yugoslavia. It's just written Croatia is declaring mm. independence uh, from the ex country. Oh, wow. And so now imagine people 30, 40, 50 years, 100, 100 years ago seeing that board. What was the ex country? You know, like it's, it's, it was, it's totally, for me, it's totally crazy. Not, you know, like Yugoslavia. If you say Yugoslavia, you, you, you just use the term Yugoslavia in a bad sense. Mm-hmm. There is no objective, neutral sense uh, way that you can use, that people use Yugoslavia in, in news and stuff like that. So that's something that I find really interesting. And, and I thought about this with Wade's gallery. Um, and I thought about this downstairs as well. 
Because if, if you're from a family where you had somebody thrown in jail or somebody was killed or something terrible happened to them by the state, I can understand feeling that way. Um, but at the same time, if you go through the last um, like photo gallery after the video downstairs, you know, there's people celebrating Halloween and going to the beach and drinking. If you go to the music session, like there's a punk record, albeit it was, it was censored. Uh, there's like a Beatles cover band. So, yeah, it, I don't know. It, I think it goes back to the, the mixture of like life for some people maybe seemed normal while for other people they felt the repression of the state much more. Yeah, well, he, of course. Uh. I, I can say for myself, my grandfather, he was in Ustasha, so he was Nazi soldier. And he was actually, I think, very stupid man because he basically <laughs> entered the, the Nazis' army in 1945. So, you know, actually, you could see that they are losing, you know. So, but, so basically, and he was, all his life, he was very religious. He was um, uh, buried with, like, um, not with priests, but, like, just next to them mm -hmm. in the, like, Catholic priest's graveyard. And... Uh, my so my father's family is all in the church in a sense of so my grandfather he was basically you know like he was like working his free time he was working in church he was mm. making for christmas um the what was the name in english the like a wreath uh, the, the the jesus uh, stable and oh the uh, manger yeah what was the, is that the name you know where, where the jesus was born and everything yeah people the build, jesus um, in the manger yeah. yeah yeah so he would build okay. huge with nazareth and you know like all that in the church it was like it was bigger than this room that yeah. we are now so over 16 square meters uh, my grandma all her life she sang in a Catholic uh, in church chore. My father, he's a musician. He was leading uh, church chore. He went to to play for the Pope Ivan wow. Ivan Paul II for two times. And you know, like basically, the church bought my sleeping room when my parents uh, bought a house. Church gave us you know beds and huh. uh, and so I, I came from you know, from my father's side from very religious uh, family and so although my father my grandfather he was nationalist and he was religious so these are all the things that were not appreciated in socialism but still and he was even two times um, sentenced to death. And uh, my, his family, my family, they bribed the guards to let him escape the prison. Oh. And he lost, like, it was a punishment in the 40s. He lost his civil honors for five years. And he was a few years in prison in, like, labor camps after the war and everything. And But, you know... After that, and all his life until his death, he was very religious and nationalist, and he was always a Croatian, and he hated Yugoslavia. So you know, and he was always talking about it. So he didn't change mm. uh, a bit, and uh, you know, still they managed to buy an apartment. They he he was a tramway driver. My grandma was a cleaner in the hotel, you know, nothing special, but with these jobs, they, they could buy an apartment in a really beautiful 
neighborhood. Uh, and uh, my parents went to school. For There is a funny story about, so my aunt, my father's sister, um, she couldn't enroll in high school because of my grandfather being nationalist. And he wrote a letter to uh, Ministry of Education of Yugoslavia saying like, so I'm a worker and my child couldn't, can't get into the high school because of me, although she has all the best grades and everything. And after the letter, they let her uh, unroll the, the high school that, that she wanted. So, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to... I can understand the people pain and the, you know, uh, people hating Yugoslavia and... Uh, uh, but I think it's also, although it, it maybe it it will it's maybe harsh to say it, but I think it's a personal choice mm. because I also know a lot of people that had my family had not terrible, but uh, they were not liked in Yugoslavia. But still, uh, it's how you deal with it and how. And I know some people that also had, I know people that. Uh, communists took their houses and everything and they were still for for that because they believed in idea mm. of course they didn't you know later they they saw all the bad sides and why the the corruption and and everything but uh, you know that hate is something that um, I think we choose how to deal with it and one, we can deal with it in a sense that we're gonna hate, hate, hate the the reason why something happened for all life and basically built a temple of that hate and just that will be the purpose of our life. Mm. But there is also, for example, my girlfriend's father was in the army in the in the homeland war in the 90s, so the breakup of Yugoslavia. And you know, you have a lot of people that basically still live in that time and hate Serbia and Montenegro, but you have right. people like my girlfriend's father, which, you know, he was in the war, he was on the first line, he was, you know, like fighting, got shot, see friends die and everything, but when the war finished, he, you know, you know, decided, and he, he, and you know, like he even had a, so he came from an orphanage, he was an or, yeah, orphan, mm -hmm. the, no, no parents, uh, and uh, in in 1990, he was supposed to go to Belgrade to University of Law. And the war started. He didn't went. Of course, he went to the army. He now works as a plumber. But you know, but I never heard him saying anything bad about Yugoslavia or you know, like it was the war. He joined in. They fought, they fought for independence and, you know, like when they, when they depended Croatia, when the Croatia became independent, he went out from the, from the army and started working and, you know, he could go have a military pension and everything, but he works as a plumber and, you know, he has two beautiful daughters. He, you know, he... Have two two apartments that he mm. bought without credit, you know, from a guy that didn't have parents and you know, like was raised in an orphanage. So, 
I really think it's uh, I can understand people's pain, but I really think that's something that's that those people decide how to deal with it. And yeah, I don't want to guess your age. Uh, did you live through those independence wars? Yeah, well, yeah. I was small. I was like yeah. four or five, five years old when when it started. So you know. Uh, I don't like I remember things in the war mm. but I don't want to say that it was terrible because I was a kid and for me it was like that um, uh, film La Vita e Bella uh, in a sense of I don't know if you watched it Life is Beautiful oh, for yes, Roberto Benini yeah. um, it was like the game for me you know like I could I mm-hmm. could hear sirens and uh, people were running to the shelters for me it was funny because you know like I was a kid and everybody was running as a kid you love running so you know like for me it was it was okay I remember my fourth birthday that's like the youngest the the first birthday that I remember I had four little candies mm. for my birthday but it's not like I remember that on my third birthday I had a big cake so you know I it, it was it was you know I I remember those those moments waiting for the food on UN uh, spots where they would give you food and water things like that and I remember one day when we were, we were in the shelter and um, uh, somebody brought marmalade mm. I, was, I think that was the happiest moment <laughs> of my life but it's you know it's not like I remembered before better you know stuff things right. like that so you know I hear my generation now sometimes when people ask that question you know, like talking it was terrible we didn't have this we didn't have that but to be honest you know like I don't think they also I think they just accepted this narrative of the politicians and the mm-hmm. media and everything but it's all again it's all how you deal with it you mm. know and I said I, I think that yeah and you know like basically the bomb the bomb uh, fell bomb destroyed the apartment underneath ours and we were in the shelter so you know like I had some close close encounters with with the war and I remember it but still as a kid I didn't understand it and uh, that's that's I think uh, that's why I don't want now to say that it was mm. terrible. In the museum, there's a lot of really interesting artifacts. Um, I think it's when you start out, there's all there's like a wall of pins that were sort of these things I would encourage, almost like nationalistic tasks, like excellence in sports or different aspects of society. There's a recreation of an apartment down to the clothing you would wear to the the food in the cabinet. Uh, how did you go about getting all of those artifacts uh, here? Uh, well, so basically uh, when we got the idea about museum, we didn't have any artifacts, mm-hmm. nothing. Uh, we just thought because it was a group of us that we already did, you know, like festivals, exhibitions, stuff like that. So we thought it would be a good thing to do it. So I was having, a, I owned a sailing boat, 10 meter sailing boat, which I sold. Mm. And uh, with that money, me and my girlfriend went traveling around Yugoslavia, 
Oh, cool. And uh, buying stuff at flea markets, gypsies, uh, and of course, internet these days is also also a very good source. So, you know, that's, uh, and me and the his, my, Ivan Luyo, the historian, uh, we made the concept, so we knew that what was like the, the exhibits that we wanted the most, but basically we just, I have that, you know, a character of, you know, just getting everything that, mm. everything is important, so I would just take everything that, people gave to us and now of course these days people just call us and want to donate to the museum so that's that's how we that's how we got it which was actually really interesting especially the flea markets and all these gypsy villages and uh, st- because gypsies in in Yugoslavia in countries of of Yugoslavia are in charge of garbage uh, actually selecting valuable things from the garbage, mm. you know. So Yeah, like repurposing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's always the best. For example, in Zagreb, you have days when, you, you know, like on, maybe it's not that day, but like on Mondays, you have, you can take out big... Um, Closets or something outside on the street, and then the mm. city company will uh, pick it up and go and throw it to the, to like garbage. So then you have gypsies on that day coming, going around the town, and then when they see something interesting, they just leave one gypsy there to protect the closet, and mm. then later they come with the truck and pick up all of these stuff, and then on Sunday you have big flea market where. You can find a lot of these these stuff, and then you can really because you know, especially uh, uh, for example, the industrial design of the in in socialism was really amazing. You have we had some really for uh, for example Bernardo Bernardi, which was born in this region on Korčul Island, close to Dubrovnik. Um, he was amazing. Uh, he was architect, but uh, he worked as an industrial designer, you know, chairs and, you know, mobilia for the houses, mm. for, like, workers. So it was something that was mass-produced, mass but he really wanted to make a great design. And today it's vert, it has a huge worth, but, of course, some people doesn't know about it, so they throw it away, but gypsies have a good eye. They have mm. a really great eye for, for those kind of stuff, so... Yeah, that's that's how we collected it. Um, all these, all these things about the pins. Basically, people collected pins from various reasons, uh, the badges and stuff like that. And uh, we have over ten thousand of them on the exhibition. We wow. showed two thousand uh, of like what we saw, what we thought it was like the best, but. Uh, that's also a funny thing about you know new, this new socialist man that uh, like no no private ownership and uh, they wanted to then I don't know if, if it does if if it has any relations one to one to each other but like there like no private ownership mm-hmm. and then again people collected everything yeah. you know like pins. Uh, uh, have you know, badges, uh, I don't know, magnets. You know, well, people collect it today also, but uh, from talking to a lot of people from 
USA or Britain or France, they say they didn't have this trend of collecting mm. pins in the 70s. So, I w- But I know from the Eastern Bloc in Soviet countries and, and Yugoslavia, it was, a, it was very popular. So mm. I don't know if there is any connection, but it's interesting how, yeah. uh, you know. Also, for me, the, the funny thing is that, you know, the, I don't know if you saw it in the museum, that the, so you, after 30 years of the uh, government, socialist government, you had um, this new socialist man that was raised in, in this socialist education, and this new socialist man wanted to watch Dynasty, <laughs> which was like the most capitalist uh, <laughs> TV show ever. We have in Dubrovnik, we have one building, building that is called Carrington. Mm. Because of the people from the movies, <laughs> so that is pretty strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Dubrovnik is like a city that is sitting geographically on like unbelievable beauty, and Old Town too. Like the wall is really incredible, and walking around there and walking on top of the wall and seeing everything is is, is wonderful. Uh, for me, like uh, crowds are tough for me. I'm not very interested in shopping. And so there's this weird sort of dichotomy between like the beauty and for me, which is respectfully almost like tourism hell. Um, it is tourism hell. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's not to the fault of anyone that lives here. But where we're sitting right now, you were explaining it's, it's an old factory building that was sold. And it's being partitioned off. In, uh, you have your museum. You have a future uh, bar, future tattoo shop. Sounded like a, like a ceramics artist studio, a uh, rehearsal space for a band. That sounds a lot like home in, in some of like the old factories um, from like the shipping and industrial era in the States where we live in Brooklyn that have been repurposed into these almost like artist enclaves. Uh, do you see that uh, as a growing movement in Dubrovnik and something that in the future there will be more of? Uh, hopefully, yes. Uh, I'm not sure... Uh, how how uh, how it will end up uh, because of the again politicians. It's now so it's the factory that was built in 1953, and it was owned by the workers until a month ago, when they sold it to the city, and then again, that's the problem now. Uh, like sword with two blades. I don't mm. know if that's the saying also in, in the yeah, States. Yeah, like a two-headed dragon almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's good that the city bought it because uh, the private investors would definitely uh, tear it down and build a hotel mm. because it's a good, good spot. You have port, cruisers, some shopping mall, a lot of souvenir shops that would be ideal for this. But of course, not for the local population, and that's good why the city bought it. But then again, we'll see how city, ha- how much city has uh, will to do such a thing, because um, in a tourist mm. tourism economy and a tourist city. All the stuff that you mentioned now uh, that are happening here in 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 this factory are not uh, so much commercial. You can get much more out of rent if yeah. you rent it to a souvenir shop than to an artist. And that's the same everywhere. It's like a subculture. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then the question is how much, how much 
sense will the local government have and say like, okay, we don't need to make money out of every, mm. not to make money, to make the maximum amount of mm. money from every space. Because I think then again, if, if they let, if they let, uh, basically just let the change that is happening right, change that is happening right now to this space of, with all these people coming in and making ateliers and bars and clubs and you know like uh, museums and exhibition spaces and stuff like that um, that it will have also value for tourism uh, at the end but it will definitely take some time and then mm. you know you have this I was talking with one of the local politicians. She's like my age. We are even cousins. And uh, it's a small city. Mm. So. <laughs> uh, uh, and she's also an uh, entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, she has like tourist agency and some other, some other businesses. Uh, mother, I think two children. Really amazing uh, woman. I don't know how 24 hours are enough for her and mm. everything that she did, does. But, you know, in economical sense, she's very liberal and very, you know, like, let the market decide, which, of course, I don't think is the right way to go. And, you know, like she told me once, like, oh, you are paying such a low rent and I'm paying, like, five times more. And I mm. said, like, yeah, but... It's not crazy that we pay. What we pay is crazy what you pay. And mm -hmm. you should fight that. And for me, the one of the best things how we could change that is that the city lowers the rent on their own, on their own uh, uh, real estate. So, because I can understand, uh, because the, the prices in Dubrovnik are set up to be a little bit lower uh, prices of stuff mm. uh, and services in Dubrovnik are set up to be a little bit lower than the prices in Western countries. Mm -hmm. But our wages are much lower than the wages in the Western countries. Right. So, you know, like the, uh, the prices in the bars and, or the restaurants, we can't afford it. Mm. Most of the people can't afford it. And... Uh, then again, you have a vicious circle where, you know, I don't know who started it. Was it first the high rent or the, for example, in this case, the the people that runs bars and restaurants? Was it first the high rent or the high prices of the drinks and food? Mm. But then you have like a vicious circle because, you know, like, let's say the rent was first somebody put high rent and then, of course, the bar owner needs to... Uh, put higher prices on his drinks and then again uh, the the rent goes up and then again the prices of the drinks goes up and it's like a vicious circle mm. and uh, it just it's happening that uh, and that's also crazy because we live from tourism and tourists they want local experience and they would want authentic Authentic experience. That authentic experience is actually local experience, and it's not, you know, like it's crazy that in Dubrovnik, in the old town, when you walk, we have ten Irish pubs, mm. 
and you're in Dubrovnik and it's like Mediterranean and you know, <laughs> it's, you know, Irish pub. It's great. It's, it's, but you know, that's that's totally for me. Totally, it's totally crazy that in every bar you can only listen to Frank Sinatra, which is a great singer, but uh, covers of Frank Sinatra. Are those foreign owners? Are those Irish owners? Hmm? Are, are those like no? It's just it's mostly Croatians, but it's because uh, the, the market says that yeah, this want. is uh, what people would go to, especially people from Britain, and you know, yeah. and then the prices are high because it's mostly tourists that go there, and then uh, you know the local community is pushed away from the from the center, and that's what's happening now. So this all happened because the local community was pushed and now we are here. And then now some politicians are saying that they should put higher rents here because now this is getting, like, uh, popular. Mm. But it's happening everywhere. I'm laughing because we just came from Dublin, and... Um, Boston is a very Irish city in the United States and their baseball team is the Red Sox and they always play the song Sweet Caroline at those games. It's an American song by Neil Diamond. I hate that song. Um, and we were passing this one Dublin pub and it's full of, it's full of American tourists and they're just belting out Sweet Caroline. And we walk past and I'm just like, oh Christ, Like this That's is it, not yeah. what I wanted to hear. I would hear this in the States. Um, so... Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the, the same, the same, the same thing. You know, like I, I live, I live in in Lapa. That's the area with lot of lot of hotels, um, and uh, you, of course, in the hotels you have uh, terraces with live music, mm. and you know it's always. Uh, but it's for me, it's even kind of kind of great because it's like stuck in the eighties. So mm. it's like uh, Tina Turner, Turner, you know, rolling on the river and. Uh, um, was the name? Uh, clearance uh, clear water uh, revival yeah. yeah yeah CCR CCR yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's easier uh, and you know like uh, stuff like that so uh, which is again it's a great music there are great musicians and everything but you know we should sometimes give also uh, the, there should be a mix of everything so mm. Our local bands, they don't uh, do much of their... Uh, their own songs. Their they own cover, songs yeah. because they are, you know, uh, so we have a studio here now, they are rehearsing cover stuff for some uh, English wedding on the beach mm. somewhere in Dubrovnik, which is still okay, but basically they have, they have, they play almost, I think they play every night for mm. the whole season period, but it's always like the same, the yeah. same, you know, like 50, 50 rock, pop, uh, ABBA, I don't know, you know <laughs> yeah. songs. And it's just, you know, killing, killing, I think, the, the, the vibe and the, of, of the local community. Yeah, it's almost like, then why travel somewhere, right? Yeah, if yeah, yeah, have yeah. The experience it's, of being home. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's, that's, that's it. And it's, um, so yeah, so yeah, basically that's that's what I wanted to say that uh, the city should, I think the city should have mu should have much more of a role mm. and be much more. They should be brave and you know like 
in a communist sense, try to control mm. the the market much more than they do now because. Uh, our historian Ivan Luyo he said uh, he made a really great point about the old town so the old town was built to prevent people to get in yeah. you have three narrow doors and that's it and now we are trying to get as much people as we can that's interesting in, <laughs> yeah. inside you know you have huge walls it's all to protect to, to you know to stop people getting in actually so we really need to um try to, of course, everybody will come because of the old town and that's a normal thing that everybody needs to see it and uh, but we need to make some smarter way of how to deal with the masses and how to mm. for me the cruiser ships are the biggest enemy but mm. that's uh, but then again a lot of people again have money from it, especially taxi drivers, bus drivers uh, so there should be some strategy, five years, five-year <laughs> plan, uh, in a sense of transition, because you know you can't just uh, forbid cruiser ships and lots of people will lose their jobs. But then again, it's it's crazy that basically Dubrovnik has almost the same number of cars as it has of inhabitants, mm. which is. Yeah. Sorry, I have a question for you. So, because tourism is, I guess, the the leading economic resource you have here, are or do you know uh, are most of the the tourist industries actually privately owned? Yeah, yeah, everything is uh, well. Most of yeah, museums, except of Wade's and our museum, mm. museums are owned by the uh, by the city or government. Uh, but every, all the private hotels and everything is owned by the now now is owned yeah privately people some people yeah right because we were even okay so we did the wall yesterday right to walk on top of it it was quite expensive just to get <laughs> yeah. to walk on a wall and we were thinking like what do they do with this money what does that go to yeah, and, so that's, and is that actually like funding the city. And if so, okay, great, because then that could go to, you know, any government assistance programs or, or whatever it is the city's doing. Or is that actually also privately owned that they just control uh, uh, yeah. the uh, Well, yeah, the, 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 the story about the city walls is complicated. It, it is run by NGO, uh, which is then giving, I think, now 60% of the money to the city. And 40% is, so it's like NGO that was founded in socialism and translated on English would be something like uh, Friends of Dubrovnik uh, mm. Old uh, Architecture, something like that. And okay. like their, their, their goal is to protect and preserve the architecture of Dubrovnik Republic. Historical landmarks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically they are like using that money to to preserve, prevent or reconstruct uh, architecture from that time and some important buildings. Of course it has, it, it's, it's a complicated story. It has some bad things there, of mm. course, but they really did some good stuff and uh, it's a now it's also a big pol polemic in our society, local society. Like, 
should the city uh, run it totally or to leave it to this NGO and then share the profit or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that's why it's high because, um, yeah, it's just that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it's too much people and then actually they want to lower the number of people visiting uh, the city walls and again to have the same amount of money at the end. Does Croatia have a main export? <laughs> yeah, it's a hard question. Okay. It's, um, yeah, tourism is our main yeah. export. Mm. Basically around 20% of our GDP comes from tourism. So mm. I would say tourism is the is the main. Uh, we lost a lot of industry, industry in the war and after the war in the privatization. So now... But basically, yeah, we are stuck with uh, with tourism. That's that's the main thing. Yeah, I think globally, countries are struggling with sort of what we were talking about. It's like keeping your unique identity while catering to tourism. Um, I've been to, to Bali a couple times, and there, there's a couple of, I guess you'd call them like neighborhoods or like, it's like geographic regions where like, it's just like all Australians in, in, in some or, or, or many Australians sort of like behaving badly uh, and locals like look at those areas. It's, it's kind of like trashy and bad, um, which is a shame because it's like a historically like pristine and beautiful place with like a really rich, deep culture, which is now just like drunk Aussies like on the beach. <laughs> that, yeah, that's also one of the uh, interesting things that uh, tourism industry needs to deal more. And that's, I think, the there, there is a term. Uh, I forgot, forgot it, mm-hmm. but um, basically that, that's like, a, that's a usual thing when people go out on the vacation somewhere, they don't, uh, they don't uh, behave as they do at home. Mm. And that's like, there is now this moment that wants to try to point out that and try to not, not force, but, you know, like to, to make people realize that they should behave as they would behave home. That mm. all because they are in somebody's, somebody else's home. And, you know, that's, that's the, you know, I, I, <laughs> I get your well, point totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm always making making fun with some of my friends that have apartments, and then they are angry when people um, uh, turn on the air conditioning <laughs> and then open the windows and uh, and all the and it's like uh, they're spending too much too yeah. much electricity. But then again, you know, like that's again something that local and national government should do in a sense of. Uh, um, prohibit no, no, not to prohibit but yeah uh, you know to to put the number like to make how many how many apartments can we have mm. and where can we have apartments because it's totally crazy if you have a like a building with flats where people live in and then somebody makes you know apartment in one of these of these flats and we have all these it's uh, for us it's it's a huge problem with that because it's a um, then uh, of course you can get much more money out of renting to tourists and then local people young people that want to you know like go and live for themselves they can't find an apartment because it's not like they can't pay they Mm -hmm. can't pay 
in most of the times, but also they can't even find it because all of the apartments that are available to rent are rented to tourists or mm -hmm. you can rent it. That's why I bought a sailing boat. So when I finished the university, I couldn't find the apartment, which was affordable to me. And my grandma died and she left me 10,000 euros. Mm. And I had some 5,000 euros of saving after summer, something like that. So 15,000 euros. And, you know, I, I didn't want to live, live with my mother, especially because I was not studying in Dubrovnik. So, you know, like I already lived by myself and I'm, you know, 20-something. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to live with my mom. <laughs> and I can't find an apartment. So I bought a sailing boat. And, you know, like because you can find easily, you can find an apartment in the winter. Mm, yeah, because there is no season, there are no tourists, and then everybody wants to rent to the local. But until May, in May you need to get out because of the tourist season. So then I realized, okay, I'm go in in May. It's summer. I can live on a sailing boat, and in winter I'll uh, find uh, some apartment, and that's how I lived. Mm. For two years, but for most of the people, that's not a solution, of course. Right, of and, course. Uh, that's also and that's also one of the big problems of the tourist industry uh, in Croatia today. Mm. I've kept you for a really long time, uh, so I'll wrap uh, with this question: uh, What do you see as the future of the museum? Do you want to expand, or you know, have rotating themes or anything like that? So yeah, so basically a month ago we became uh, we become uh, the second private museum in the Croatian National Register of Museums. Oh, wow. uh, so that's it's kind of a big deal. So now we are accepted in a national uh, association of of museums which is now much easier to call to talk to ministry of culture and to make projects and things like that uh, so from this point now i would like uh, for the museum to in some again <laughs> five years <Yeah>. time <laughs> uh, i would like to to I would like that the museum becomes um, a center, or not not maybe center, but uh, you know, like a living point of discussion on the topics of communism, not just Yugoslavian, but you know, like communism today and communism in in a sense of theory and uh, you know talking about it and what we, we can improve. Uh, in that way and how we can use history not to repeat the mistakes and to 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 improve the things that were good mm. so uh, yeah we already have one space to expand so that's nice. it won't uh, it it won't be much bigger oh. unfortunately but yeah that's that's um, our more, most important goal uh, in few in next few years would actually be to make more of the more of the production of mm. you know like ex exhibitions uh, talks to people and things like that i think that's yeah, now we have a good good base and uh, i think that's the next step that mm. you know like 
movies, uh, exhibitions, talks, uh, and start talking about it and uh, especially focused on, uh, as I said, um, local community and trying to bring new ideas to local community, um, especially in that in that. I wouldn't say communist, but, you know, in that sense of some social uh, housings, economics, economic field, education, healthcare, uh, that stuff that uh, can be better, public space, mm. uh, growing trees on the streets so it doesn't get so warm and, you know, like stuff like that, which, yeah. which we basically, after the breakup of Yugoslavia, we totally... Uh, neglected uh, the, for example public space because mm. everything public was almost characterized as communist if you mm. care, care for public space or public this public that that's you are communist you know so that's that's something you know public beaches mm. that's something that uh, that is actually we have a pretty good law that doesn't give you the right to have a public beach all the beaches in Croatia are Uh, doesn't give you the right to have a private beach. Mm. All the beaches in Croatia are public. A lot of hotels, of course, they have their own way with the, the bars beds and, stuff, and yeah. bars and stuff like that. But still, so you, you also know you can go in every hotel in Dubrovnik and go on the beach. They mm. can't tell you anything. That's so. cool. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I mean, thank you for hosting us for the museum, for the beer, for the taste of, how do I say this? Uh, Pelina. Pelina. Uh, yeah, the full name is Pelinkovac, but Pelin is uh, easier. It's the yeah, Croatian Jägermeister. It's so. really strong. Um, yeah, thanks so yeah. much. This was a, a real treat. So, so cheers. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for, uh, for contacting me and for coming and for having this great talk with me. All right, Voyagers, that is a wrap on episode 276 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. From where I'm sitting, I can hear the church bells going right now. It's also Ramadan, I believe. So a lot of things were shut down yesterday, but I'm excited to get out into the city to explore a bit. Uh, Bosnia has been really, really cool and really interesting. And I'm glad that we like kind of took an impromptu detour in our travels and, and split off from Croatia and came here. We will be going back to Croatia Uh, the plan as of this moment is to go to Zagreb, the capital, and then to go to Slovenia, Austria, and Prague in the Czech Republic on our way up to Berlin, where we will be meeting with Leslie's friend, Sarah. It's a good summer. I hope you're out there traveling or at least living the life that you want to live this summer. We are, and we are very grateful for it. So for now, I will say thanks for listening And please, please, please take care of each other. I will catch you very soon.